0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. It seems like the hot topic of late is customer service. Businesses are short-staffed, big time, and everyone's asking for customers to be patient with them. But what happens when something goes wrong? How does that business handle that situation? How does the customer react? From the Aftermarket Radio Network. It's Carm Capriato. Good to have you here. I'm joined by another network show host, Matt Fonslow, and we discuss the hypocrisy that exists when the business owner is now the customer. Thanks to our partners, Apex and Shopware, for bringing you this episode. You know, I bet we all know a shop owner, service advisor, or technician who has truly gone above and beyond in 2022. I ask you to nominate them for the third annual Apex Service and Repair Awards. Don't wait. Nominations are due August 31st. Here's where you go, aapexshow.com slash service awards. When you have the right numbers at the start, you never have to apologize for a revised estimate. With canned jobs and past services, build an estimate that is right on. That's just one reason to get shopware.com. I don't know about you, but I kind of think you're ready for just, me and Matt to do a show. And if you're not, I am because it's been quite a while, Matt, since you launched your own show on the Aftermarket Radio Network, Matt Fonslow, diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z. We chat all the time. And in fact, him and Tracy probably chat more than me.
1: Never.
2: She does all the talking. I just <laughs> nod my head. And
1: he just sends music videos.
2: I'm trying to help you.
0: We went back and forth on a couple of podcast ideas that uh, maybe I should do, then he should do and run this whole, you know, if you will, brain thing together. And we come up with one today that uh, we, of course, want to share with you. And in the meantime, we were just kind of talking about coming off of Napa Expo. Off record, I said to him in the green room, how was your trip home? He says, maybe an hour delayed. And I said, you heard what happened to me and Tracy, how we got split up around the country. She should have gone with me because even though my plane was delayed in Atlanta for two and a half hours, it still left two and a half hours late.
2: I just thought you were trying to be nice and you ditched her.
0: <laughs> she goes to Detroit. She gets canceled till overnight into a different city, Rochester, which is an hour and a half away. I'm going to get her. and uh, But she told you about the terrible room she had and everything? Oh, oh
2: there's some uh, video and photographic evidence. However, she was you know trying to determine whether she should shower up or not which i thought everybody would you know recommend she do that
0: no matter how rough the surroundings
2: she had the video she's walking around the room the paint's peeling as she's walking around and it was a
1: snapchat video for my fans
2: fans that was are two <laughs> you're just barely plural
1: but worst case scenario i was going to call bill nailo in the morning and say come help me come rescue me
2: what, with like Lysol or are you meant a ride? Uh,
1: in general, everything. Oh.
2: <laughs> Take me to breakfast, right? So did you end up cleaning the uh, bathroom no. and shower?
1: Nope. I did not feel like I had adequate cleaning solution or gloves for that job. So I did not shower, but I felt like it was a good protective film of like traveling dirt and was sweat. It- I did buy at the airport a Detroit t-shirt because I always want to remember this experience. Salt in the wound.
0: Well, all right. Enough about our t- traveling escapades. Uh, Matt and Tracy were in the studio with me when Ron Caps was there. We just released it uh, this week. So everyone will know when we're recording this, but uh, boy, that was a fun interview, Matt. Thank you for being there.
2: That was a lot of fun. You go in with preconceived notions of what will happen and how the conversation will go. And it really didn't go that way. He was very personable, you know, I expect him to be well-spoken, but just that personable and it didn't seem like the conventional idea of a driver, just well-placed name dropping of sponsors and all that. He was extremely genuine in everything he said. It wasn't, here's where I make my money for the sponsors. It was very genuine and he relates uh, tremendously well to um, auto repair world, be it shop ownership or technicians and all that. It was...
0: It was a blast. That's where I wanted to drive the interview. I, I really wanted it to go into his, moving into his own ownership thing, no different than all the shop owners that we know and the, and the many who want to be and to have heard his story of, what's my son doing? He's going to college for business. <laughs> and, you know, that was like, it's such a profound statement coming out of him. Instead of saying, well, I threw him in the garage and the pit crew, he approached it from a completely different angle. Not, not only did we hear about the adrenaline and the rush and the, and the horsepower, we, we heard about relating to uh, shop owners, Napa Auto Cares, being with people, a very broad, but yet so down to earth interview.
2: Yeah, yeah, had the adrenaline rush of the, you know, four-second, just, you know, whatever four-second thousand-foot run and having, you know, 12,000 horsepower behind you, rocketing you, like you said, the Battlestar Galactica scene, at least the old show where the uh, fighter uh, ships would launch out of there, but also the um, that humility, right? How humbled he was by uh, NAPA sponsoring him.
0: And I don't know if you heard that Battle Galactica thing, but I did a sound effect I don't think anybody heard. I did that. (laughs) And I was listening to the replay of it. And I said, oh, my God, that was me doing a a space whoosh. We made some major edits on, you know, that thing that blew me away when he said car porn. If you're listening to the episode, it kind of just passes by like nothing happened. But I dropped my jaw. I stopped for a moment. I said, we're going to have to edit this out. He says No. A little behind-the-scenes stories. We love to tell some of the things that happen in these over 1,000 episodes that we have. And we should start telling more stories, Tracy, about this stuff.
1: I agree. I mean, it's cool to hear the backside of what goes on before the recorder starts and after
0: the recorder ends. We're actually keeping the recorders on longer in the Town Hall Academies, right? And and after the show is over with, you know, we may be on 15 or 20 minutes and I'm recording it all. And every once in a while, Trace will slack me and she says, that's some good stuff, dad, that fell off, you know, the editor's floor. You know, we picked it up and put it out. So we've been playing around with doing a little bit more. So people have to listen to the complete end. And then there may be a bonus. Matt." You have, wow, 40 some episodes. You have covered the gamut of episodes. You actually have one coming up with Hunt, uh, who's on the on the network. I just can't wait to hear the interaction between a technician and Hunt. How was that?
2: I don't feel like I'm always the best at determining whether something was good or bad, but I really, really enjoyed that. You know, we're about 15 minutes in and I'm worried we're going to run out of stuff to talk about. And it just clicked. And. I had a blast. He's a great guy. I couldn't urge everyone enough, regardless of your station, if you will, to listen to his podcast. It's it's really good. He's got stuff that speaks to everybody.
0: Listen, I've been around a long time, sat across from my own accountants, worked in a public company, led many, many, many people, lots of reports. And I, I think I'm pretty good with business acumen. And then I listened to Hunt's yeah. shows. And then he he digs down into some of the weeds of my assumptive knowledge of this. And then he kind of tears it apart. And I'm saying, well, I'm so glad I relied on other people to help me with those decisions. But when you rely on other people, Matt, you still want to have as much knowledge as you can so you can filter and figure it out. And that's what Hunt did for me. I think for all of his clients, you know, they're on rock solid ground with him.
2: Yeah, extremely.
0: So I remember you go on vacation, you come home, you send me a new episode. You always seem to put a a heart tug in almost every episode you do and you went to visit the grave of a of an old friend of yours but then again you said you had this terrible experience at a restaurant so he he shares that in the episode i write him back while you know i'm listening to the edit and uh, i'm saying damn this just happened to me and what's going on in our world It's not just restaurants, it's just about every other store where you can't get good service. You know, the great resignation, Trace, she just moved, she's going to have some internet upgrade or fixed or changed, and a guy comes in from Verizon and says what, Trace?
1: He was uh, contracted from two hours away because in the Buffalo region, over 200 Verizon techs retired. And so they are just scrambling to get people in. So they've actually contracted from uh, our surrounding area.
0: Hey, Carm here. Now, I bet we all know a shop owner, service advisor, or technician who has truly gone above and beyond in 2022 and who represents the best of the best. Now it's time to nominate them for the third annual Apex Service and Repair Awards. Now, these awards will recognize a shop owner of the year, service advisor of the year, and technician of the year. An independent panel of shop owners will select the award recipients based on their commitment to training, as well as community, charitable, and industry involvement. Apex will honor and celebrate the award winners during the opening keynote address at Apex 2022 in November in Las Vegas. Hey, don't wait. Nominations are due by August 31st. To nominate your outstanding industry leader, go to aapexshow.com slash service awards. Now I know you know an outstanding shop owner, service advisor, or technician who's gone above and beyond this year. aapexshow.com slash service awards. Hey, aren't you tired of being tired after a crazy day at the shop? Take the frustration out of your work by speeding up the processes that bog you down. Start a repair order based on a canned job. Check. Order parts from a menu that includes every supplier within seconds. Check. Now send all that information with photos or videos to a customer via a live chat on their phone. What? No, I'm not kidding. Check that box. Get an approval faster than ever so you don't tie up a bay for hours check. Hey, it gets even better. Once they see the summary of work they need, next time they ask you to fix one or two more items today. Boom, that bill goes up and you make more. Then, get this, they pay you on their phone before they even pick up their car. This could be your life, my friend. Talk to my friends at GetShopware.com. I don't know about you, but I don't see any mid-aged you know, waiters, waitresses, people behind counters anymore. And if you put your pre-COVID hat on and you you thought about all the people that served you, waited on you, uh, checked you in, checked you out, you don't see that worker anymore. And I think it goes back to that, what's what was called the Great Resignation. And people saying, hey, you know, they'll take a buyout. They'll leave. They, they had to quit. They stayed home with COVID. Life switched and changed. And I, and I got to share with you a picture as maybe we start this dialogue, but this is on the back of a shirt of a waitress at a restaurant that Ann and I go to. It says, please be patient. We too are short staffed on the back of every shirt of the bartenders and the waitresses in this, in this building. It's that quiet subliminal message that. I guess we're busting our hump the best that we can to make you happy.
2: Yeah, and I think most people are very, very receptive to that, very respectful of that. A couple of weeks ago, are at a restaurant. I would say it's fairly large. It seats, you know, 100, 100 people. There's one server for the whole restaurant. I mean, sweat is pouring off her brow. She is, you know, jogging between tables, jogging to the back of the kitchen to bring people, their food, trying to keep their drinks full or, you know, bring new drinks. Everybody that I saw was very respectful of that. But then on the flip side, you have situations where they're short-staffed and it's almost like they use that as an excuse to just not care or even try.
0: Nobody come down on me for what I'm about ready to say next. But if it's local, that means that there's an owner and a family, and a wife, and a brother, and a cousin, and a sister, and friends. I mean, there's somebody who's signing the checks. I'll never forget when I went into business for and by myself in 1983. I worked 724. I only had me and two others. You did what you had to do. In the case, Matt, maybe the owner's cooking because he couldn't get a cook. So I, I give them the total benefit of the doubt. But are we doing enough as the owners and the entrepreneurs of the business to make the customer experience work? Even though dinners may be late, they should still be good and our experience should be good. Meaning, hey, we're really sorry we're, we're on this thing. We're a little shorthanded. But still at all, even if the time frame is longer, everything else in that experience should be good. And I guess my soapbox says, where are the small business owners, the families, the friends stepping to the plate to save the business? Because if they don't, it's going to go away.
2: In reference to the restaurant on vacation, the owner was working behind the bar. I have no explanation for it. I don't know what's going through their head but they did not seem overly concerned about quality. When we first got there, she was very friendly, you know, helping the server get the order, get the food out. But then once we sent something back because it was way overcooked, that turned, and now we were an annoyance. Mind you, we were really the only clients in the restaurant at the time. Now all of a sudden, that friendliness was gone.
0: Well, that's why you were the only ones there. And so how do we bring this into our industry? The owners of shops are so committed to the customer experience, which is why I think we're growing at the pace we're growing. I think we're doing everything that we possibly can. And I've said this a bunch of times of late to have that consumer be a customer, be a client, become an advocate.
2: I mean, definitely within the circles we know That's what the owners and the managers and employees really are doing everything they can, short-staffed or not.
0: You're right. The people you touch, the people I touch, uh, I would say are all in that top 20, 25% of top, top, top shop operators. But what we do here on the podcast is not to preach and bring business acumen and advance the aftermarket for them, although they're big listeners, Mars, because, hey, thanks, because they're always wanting to learn. They're always wanting to get better. Uh, I guess the message to our shop owners that are doing any kind of struggle boogie, they've got to pay more attention than ever because the car's promised at four o'clock and it's not. It's just like getting your steak overcooked.
2: It's awareness. It's easy to be aware that somebody messed up your order. Either the, the server messed up writing it down how you wanted it cooked or the chef, it's a steak is what we're talking about. Ordered medium rare and it came charcoal. I, I, it was very, very well done. It was priced in such a way that it's like, it's hard to accept it. Paid a fair bit of money for it and it shouldn't matter, really. Honestly, this is what I ordered. This is how I ordered it cooked. It should come that way. My thing is, is that's easy. Where I get really, really annoyed as a, a manager or an owner that's going through this experience at a restaurant as a patron when an instance occurs at your shop that mimics that experience, only you're now on the other side of the counter. It so gets me amped up and upset. They can't turn the table. They can't put the shoe on the other foot. This is a totally different situation. And now they act the same way as the restaurant employee or manager or owner did to them that they found so offensive. The hypocrisy just drives me batty. It
0: frustrates me to no end. People that want to get ahead... And want to constantly improve their world, their life, their business, their relationships would have an internal reflection.
2: Or the next time the situation arises where you have a disgruntled customer and we'll just give the customer the benefit of the doubt, you did mess up. Even if it wasn't like the shop's fault, a part failure something like that. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, you know what? This is not unlike that restaurant situation. This is how I thought. The manager should have handled it. This is how I thought the server should have handled it. This is how I thought, you know, if I was the owner of this restaurant, I would have done this. Well, now you've got your chance. It's just not the restaurant.
0: It was in February. It was your episode 19. What does a great steak restaurant and auto repair have in common? Uh, part of what you were talking about is it was it was the professional chef going against the, the unprofessionals or the novices or...
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. So his master chef is a very specific episode. Yep.
0: Gordon Ramsay. It just drove right into processes and systems and organization and all the things that ultimately that chef has so much responsibility to get it right in, uh, for the front side of the business.
2: You know, not to set the table too much. <laughs> to use a, lot of, a lot of puns. Oh, yeah, good. To set the table for, a, I think, a future episode you and I are going to have on uh, what it takes to become an expert. Oh, God, yes. And that's what we're talking about here is, you know, in this example, we're talking about Gord Ramsey is the expert. And I think for the most part, he's generally accepted as being a very, very capable chef and restaurateur, right? Or an entrepreneur, restaurant owner. The way he would move compared to the contestants who were top tier of home chefs coming in to become US's next master chef, they can all cook. That's why they're on the show. But to watch the way he moves, the efficiency of motion or economy of motion and knowing what to do and keeping it simple and keeping his station so clean and organized versus the chaos at theirs is very eye-opening. It's very eye-opening. And then just the thinking about how a high-end restaurant or any good restaurant, if you will, the dynamics going on are not unlike a repair shop at all. You got the chefs, they could be the technicians. Servers or hostess is the customer service representative. The servers could be like a service advisor. That translates really, really well. We're commissioned or uh, agree to get take your money in exchange for a properly repaired vehicle. And they are responsible for taking our money in exchange for a properly cooked meal. I think it would be an interesting like series side by side just to have a, a fairly novice, not completely like Joe Blow off the street or Jane Doe off the street doing a timing chain or timing belt, but somebody that's a little more on the novice side versus a master tech doing it side by side almost, you know, split screen. I don't think you're going to see this master moving so much faster than the novice. He, he or she might move slower or seemingly slower, but fluid moving with purpose, knowing what to do next. The Bruce Lee thing, economy
0: of motion. Every podcast we do on the network, we have been so lucky, Tracy, to have some of the best people in the industry.
1: Matt's my favorite technician on our network.
0: Oh, what are the other technicians going to say about that? I wonder.
1: I'll be jealous.
2: Definitely a lack of competition. That's the reason I (laughs) edged edged out this win.
0: Not to this whole restaurant thing and the hypocrisy of complaining. I can't help when I go to a place to put myself in the owner's shoes or become an observer. I wish I could just, you know, Carm, come in for dinner, write a white paper the next day for me, and let me know what's good or what's not. The powers of observation for me, and I think anybody who cares about how well a business needs to run, and if you're in the business that we're in, and that is spreading, and sharing, and advancing the aftermarket. One of the restaurants that we will not go to, I mean, we we go out as a group of like eight. We were going to this place uh, maybe 20 times in in, in a year. This one's off our list. It's gone. It's done. If you're not paying attention to environment and to processes and the systems and the observation of, well, this person isn't trained well enough. It's like taking someone out of high school, throwing them on the loop rack. Trust me, there's going to be 20 mistakes in the first hour. You cannot do that.
2: My daughter was a uh, server at a restaurant. You could tell the difference between her and a coworker worker uh, that was also a server. And they were friends in uh, school together, high school. My daughter looked at it without any provocation, at least on my part, as every table was an opportunity That if she did her job and impressed them, her tips were going to go up. That's where she was going to make the money was the tips. wasn't hourly wage. That's almost an instant gratification type thing, generally speaking. Of course, she got stiffed, busted her butt for a table, did really well, got compliments, pats on the back, all that, zero dollars in tips. That happened. But her coworker did not view every table as an opportunity. It was almost a chore. You know, oh, they're going to shaft me somehow. You know, oh, I made a little bit of a mistake. Now instead of getting twenty percent, I'm going to get fifteen percent, or ten percent, or five percent, or no percent. And just that attitude was interesting to watch and see and talk about. And something else you were saying—I pick on shop owners and managers, but really, it's a human condition. The hypocrisy—it's—it's it's a human thing. That's what humans do, and it's really kind of a um, branch of Dunning Kruger. Where the Dunning-Kruger effect is generally very poor at determining our skill level at things.
0: Every waiter or waitress and every customer experience, you have a chance to recover the next time.
2: She could have just used somebody that's succeeding, who's killing it. My daughter would show me how many t- how much she got for tips on certain nights. It was
0: insane. Give me an idea. Two fifty. Oh, a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, for four hours. You keep talking. I'm going to do the math here. I think I'm underpaid. <laughs>
2: yeah. I think we all are. But it's that positive variance, right? She could, somebody's in a very same similar situation as I am, and they're doing extremely well. And I don't feel I'm doing quite as well. Or I, You know, at the end of the night, we're comparing tips. She's got way more than I do. Okay. Is she consistently always getting better patrons? Are they? No, no. So now what is she doing? Let me observe. Here's a crazy idea. I'm going to come in on a day off that she's working and I'm going to just watch and I'm going to take notes and I'm going to ask her a couple of questions maybe. And maybe I'll take her out to dinner afterwards or buy her dinner.
0: I love what you're saying because it doesn't matter what job, you can always learn something new and and try to be better.
1: Well, I think a huge part with customer service and customer experience is What we say all the time on the podcast is transparency and honesty. As a customer, a different experience when you go to a restaurant and your waitress or waiter may say, hey, I'm really sorry. We're really backed up. And they come, they check on your table. Hey, you know, I did put the order in. We're just really backed up in the kitchen. I know you've been waiting a long time. I really appreciate you waiting. It'll be out as soon as it can.
2: Again, it sounds like I keep putting her over. It's just, these are observations. I know she's not alone. If somebody's sitting there for an extended period of time waiting. She would, of course, make sure that their drinks were full, but then she would bring out an appetizer, something that could get cooked really fast. They didn't order it. She'd just bring them like a sampler platter or something because the chances are that they would like something on it.
0: It always goes back to culture and and leadership and training and attitude, commitment, realizing that they're creating advocates who want to go talk about their place, not just somebody who's a wham-bam consumer. To any owner, to anybody who's going to become a shop owner, you know, just do some deep reflection. Do your people have what it takes to take care of your customer?
2: Or send your wife with a vehicle to another shop some ways away. Have her take notes, critique it.
0: So uh, the message here is: don't be a hypocrite. If you have a bad experience, go back and double check your place. And there's more to it. it's training it's as, as I said earlier it's it's the environment that you create not only for the customer but for your people. but we are dragging more and more people over the line as they are, if you will, having that v8 moment and waking up to the, their new reality of being a better, smarter business person and One of the reasons it's rising is that there are so many out there that want to share their learning curve with others not that they're experts but hey this happened to me you know i mean i'm part of so many groups where i get a chance to be a fly on the wall and and contribute actually to you know 20 style groups networking groups honored to be part of them everybody's willing to help
2: yeah it's kind of push pull if i start sharing chances are somebody else will start sharing and i'm not saying bragging sometimes people brag whatever and then sometimes you're just this is what we do I'm not so sure if it's the right thing to do, but this is what we do. And then you got somebody else that's like, yeah, we used to do that, but... And then they say whatever they do, and you're like, oh, that's genius. My favorite example of that is you did an episode a while back with Frank. Skander? Yep, Skander. He talked about the labor rate tier, a higher rate for vehicles older than like 20, 25 years. He's in Vegas. They don't know what rust is. I had to show him pictures. But they put the higher rate because... Maybe not so much because the tech struggled with it. Maybe it's not because of rust and corrosion were causing bolts to be harder to take apart or, you know, something mechanical at the car. A lot of times it was how much time the front of the office or the technician, whoever is involved, spent looking for parts, tracking down parts. And once it came out of his mouth, that bulb went over my head. Like, oh my God, that's genius. That makes perfect sense. We're taking it in the rear because of. How long it takes to look up parts and you don't really charge labor time for how long a service advisor spends looking for parts or even a technician, so we got we gotta get compensated for that. We're offering a service we're going to do this, so it's my favorite example of that share share, share receive
0: one of the things that I was thinking about, Matt was. Tracy, remember you and I, we went to Ilio's for, for dinner that one night. We, we had a really nice Italian dinner, and I know Dennis DiPaolo that, that owns it. Dennis stopped by the table said, hello. One of the things that just hit me is Dennis, for a, a lot of years, was president of the Restaurant Association in, in Western New York. They support and love each other. There's no bad restaurant tour in that group. And everybody wants to join it because it's a brotherhood. They want to send customers to their friend's place if they can't seat them in the right time frame. They want to get together and talk about all the challenges that they have. And that just hit me. The power of networking groups, even if they're local, a business development group for NAPA, for example, there's you know maybe 20 people in a market. They don't look at each other as competition. They're doing things to raise funds for community initiatives. Well, this is what helps us get that 25 and then 30% of the top operators and improves the image that we have as an industry. Once we realize that we're a brotherhood and there's, we're not each other's competition.
2: What you're talking about to me also leads into a future episode that I'm for sure doing with Carm and hopefully Tracy joins us uh, about what we can learn from the Godfather. I'm not going to give away where I'm going with that, but what you just said, I think plays heavily into what that episode will be Is about. the
0: word brotherhood?
2: Um, I don't know about brotherhood, but yeah. I
1: don't know. Michael Corleone wasn't the best brother, so maybe not brotherhood.
2: <laughs> Sonny wasn't his fault. Fredo, I mean, come on. Grandma passion. Oh my God. We're talking
0: way out of school here, <laughs> but maybe now, now it's almost on record that we actually may have to do it.
2: I thought we'd do it. ASAP, because I know how much that movie, for sure the first two, and probably the third, but the Godfather series, I know how much it means to you.
0: Maybe to tease the audience, Tracy, you need to you need to tell our friends here who are listening uh, what we used to do on Christmas Day.
2: And
1: this is going to sound like it happened 15 years ago. but This it is involved, involved like ambushing a car recently. and
2: shooting it up.
1: <laughs> no, but on oh. Christmas, we love starting The Godfather, or sometimes we divert and go with Goodfellas Casino. Normally it's Godfather, but the best is as soon as you start healing those violins. My mom goes, oh boy, what are you guys doing again? Like we're watching Godfather. We gotta, it's tradition. The
0: wine, the pepperoni, the provolone. Oh God. Olives, olives, olive oil, bread. (laughs) That's why my belly looks like it does. I've watched The Godfather many two times. <laughs> now that we've teased the audience, we're going to have to do this uh, This concept that uh, Tracy and Matt kind of came up with, and I'm on the sidelines in Slack watching them discuss this. Well, look at hey, this was great. I thank you for coming on. I think we had a blast. Thank you for for joining us, Tracy. I sure do appreciate it. We, you know, we, we talked about a bunch of great stuff, but the hypocrisy that we have to really dig down deep inside and before we complain about stuff, make sure our own house is in order. And here's the beauty: the reason for the podcast is if your house is in an order,
2: fix it. Or if you're from the '90s, check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs>
0: Just perfect. Uh, Matt Fonslow, Riverside uh, in Red Wing, Minnesota. And from the Matt Fonslow podcast, uh, Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z, he opens the hood on life in his podcast. Incredible listenership, great fans. They're communicating with you. They're asking you to do certain episodes. And I know you're doing one hell of a job to keep it one of the most interesting automotive podcasts out there. So thank you for that.
2: I mean, I think it's a reflection of me. Very scatterbrained. (laughs)
0: all over the place. You never know.
1: Zero turn lawnmowers or Metallica?
0: Okay, guys, thanks. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the Premier Automotive Aftermarket Podcast. Until next time...